When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey folks, welcome in to another edition of the Winning Plays podcast. My name is Brian Robb. I am joined today by Michael Pina, who wants to make sure he was able to um, get in an appearance on the Winning Plays podcast before the season comes to an end, potentially. Um, I know, that was... It's... It's tough but true at this point. But, um, yeah, Rich is off today, so we're going to go for two-man here. Um, Celtics season, not on the brink officially, but pretty close after they blow 17-point lead in Game 2 um, to the Heat, their second straight double-digit blown lead, Mike. Um, we'll get into the game in a second, but first off, uh, reports of dissension in the locker room after the game, uh, multiple reports of uh, it being... Brown and Smart kind of at the forefront of it. And then all, um, your initial thoughts on just the, the aftermath of, of, of an ugly defeat. I mean, it's I think it's good to get that all that emotion out of the way because, you know, no disrespect to the Miami Heat, who uh, I love, who play very hard, who know who they are, uh, who trust one another, have great chemistry, all that, a lot of talent. But after watching game two, I mean... That was just a mental collapse by the Celtics. I mean, there's really no other way to spin it, in my opinion. Um, they had that game in the bag. The third quarter, you rarely see it, a Celtics team this season, uh, or this Celtics team, make so many lackadaisical mistakes. Um, it's not even about like making or missing shots. It's about you know the two pick six turnovers uh, with Jimmy Butler. Um, that ended up being the difference. There was uh, just inbounding a ball uh, that got stolen by, I believe, Derek Jones Jr. Just like really lazy stuff that the Celtics just don't do. And so if you're them, I would imagine you feel like you blew a winnable playoff game in the conference finals. A lot of these guys have been to the conference finals. They know how hard it is to get there. And you can't just... You can't just uh, piss games like that away and that's that's what they did last night yeah it was um i think like you said it's jarring because this is just something you know this team has dealt with adversity at times this year and you know clearly have had plenty of third quarter issues but the extent of those woes kind of um dominoing on them i mean i think there was one stretch of the the third and fourth quarter mike where they went one of 12 from the field of eight turnovers over like a 13 minute span um that is 
I mean, that's probably their worst 12 minutes of basketball all season. Like, is that yep. is that a fair assessment? Yep. From what I, I mean, the turnovers are just so casual. Bizar- just they're like biz- they're bizarre, and like you want to give credit again to which I'm sure we're going to talk a ton about Miami zone and how the Celtics have performed against it. And you want to give credit to just how it's inverted and they have the bigs up top and or like big, long, rangy wings up top. And it makes it very difficult to kind of reverse the ball and get penetration and all that. But you're right. It was just very, very careless. There's really no other word for it. And I don't understand. You're watching like Tatum. I just thought Tatum was so bad last night um, in a lot of ways. And again, this isn't even about the shot making. And he missed some really makeable shots, particularly in the paint. But, like, just soft closeouts, uh, just losing track of your man on reads that you should know based on basic film study where, you know, if he's covering Tyler Hero in the corner and Goran Dragic drives towards the baseline, like, if you're Jason Tatum, you know that the release valve is Tyler Hero in the corner and you're not there and Tyler Hero hits a corner three. Just, like, stuff like that. It's just... What are we? What are we doing here? This is the conference finals. They should be locked in. They were not locked in uh, when they need to be locked in. And they had one of those against Toronto too in Game Four. Um, just the, I, I mounted it to the kind of effort you would see on like a Wednesday night against the Kings in January, um, in a game that doesn't matter. Um, just in terms of you know, like you said, rotations. Um, you know, out of bio, just going absolutely nuts in that third quarter because the. The weak side help was not there when um, when Drogic turned the corner. Um, and then, you know, the rebounding down the stretch, uh, the Jalen Brown, Tatum, you know, both got out-hustled on multiple occasions for rebounds. Um, and that, you know, you, you look at all that and you, you, you can understand why Marcus Smart, you know, freaked out a little bit um, from the sounds of it in the, in the locker room after the game. Um, but at the same time, like, Smart probably wasn't the right messenger in that situation since he had some pretty critical errors too. He threw those two passes that Jimmy picked off in the last couple minutes. He took a couple really questionable shots against the zone in the final two minutes, um, like including a, a mid range turnaround on Drogic with like 15 seconds on the shot clock. And so, I mean, this was a team loss. And for the first time we just, you know, it's frustrations boiling over, but the everyone kind of, was responsible for it so it didn't seem like a good time to be to be pointing fingers at all there no not at all um just a strange third quarter generally speaking and uh you know letting the referees uh impact your intensity is not what you want either um and that just goes back to like mental toughness and um you know there was that the Tice uh, jump ball that was, or I, it that was, was called a jump ball. But it was uh, like I didn't understand how it could have possibly not been a timeout if you uh, you're saying that he didn't have possession, but you're also resetting the shot clock. Right. So what are we even doing here? That's like <laughs> that's just a really bad one. Um, and after that. Like that was that was like they, they did not respond well after losing that, and then there was the four. I think the four point play from Jay Crowder was like a split second later, and right? That was not good. No, and another one that kind of went under the radar today. Like Tice got clobbered in the head by a, 
out of bio on a drive and was down for like maybe 15 seconds. Um, so that should have been a foul. And then that turned into a three for the heat. Um, and honestly, on a review, it might've been a flagrant um, if they had whistled a foul, given, you know, how long did Tice was down for? Yep. Um, again, that it was early in the game, third quarter, um, but stuff like that, just, you know, the Celtics were not able to, to respond to. So it's, we're looking at an O2 deficit here, Mike. Um, strangely, the last two Eastern Conference finalists have come back from O2, um, being the obviously the Raptors last year and the Cavs two years ago against the Celtics. Um, I'll start here. Gordon Hayward um, will be back either in Game Three or at the you know at worst Game Four, um, just based on how he's progressing and the fact that you know that there's no more time to wait to see what you have in him at this point what his his usefulness against his own is clear but what what do you do in this spot if you're you know him and the Celtics training staff do you try to get game three and get him that extra rest so he's good to go um close to 100 percent in game four or do you say hey we just need you know even we'll take you at 80 percent right now over Shemi Ojale um and roll the dice for game three if Gordon Hayward can play 20 minutes uh, 15, 20 minutes of quality basketball and be a threat and I guess like go nearly 100%, um, then you play, I think you definitely play him, right? Like he's just as like a, 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 a someone who they would have to account for when he's on the floor, someone who is way more of a threat on the weak side than Shemi Ojale, who when he catches... A kick out, like there's one option. That's it. Like he's either shooting it or he's turning it over or he has to like reverse the ball back to the top of the key. Like that's what he's doing. Um, Gordon Hayward can obviously do so many different things. Uh, he's been touted as the zone buster. I don't. I don't know if that's like a little much. Uh, and again, we're probably going to talk a little bit more about this, but. The data suggests that the Celtics, even though they've performed really poorly on a per possession basis, sh- when they shoot, they're taking good shots against the zone. They're just not falling. Um, but, I mean, I would definitely play uh, Gordon in game three. Um, I would also just, I don't understand, honestly, the Ennis Canner minutes. Yeah, um, let's talk about that for a second. Um, okay, cool. I mean, the can- I wasn't expecting the Cantor and Langford wildcard to come out. At the same time, now unfortunately, Langford only lasted a minute before hurting his groin. Actually, had a nice pass to uh, for kickout three in the second he was out there. Yeah, his that one, was that was his one touch, right? <laughs> right, that was one touch, <laughs> making it count. Um, and at, and in this series, like he he's like I don't mind that at all because he is you know faster defensively than Ojale, and if when you have so many shooters on the floor for Miami, like yeah, see what Langford can give you. So that's too bad that he uh, disappeared quickly. Cantor had a nice first half, obviously. Um, four or four from the field, but to me, throwing him in that third quarter when you're the defense is unraveling at the seams like that that might have been that's a candidate for the worst coaching decision that Brad Stevens has made this 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 postseason <laughs> like that like like okay we're falling apart against Adebayo here let's you know let's throw another log in a fire here in Cantor um, in that spot. What do we think that like Brad Stevens is obviously very smart he knows so much more about basketball than you and i combined yes what do we think 
he's thinking there. I don't really, I don't he, really get it. He clearly wants easy buckets against his own in that spot. He saw, okay, the South, we're like throwing it away. We're not, you know, moving the ball well enough. Um, we need to have someone who's a threat down low. Tice has not been that against his own this series. Um, and Cantor did have a, a nice touch in the first half. So I think that's that's it. But again, that situation, it's like the the cons outweighed the pros when your defense is already teetering in that spot. So, um, you know, he didn't – not that he was – he was only out there for a couple minutes, so it's, it's not like, you know, things were already coming unhinged at that point, but it was just – it was – well, it's just not... like there's there's a there are other alternatives, right? right? Like that's the whole thing. So like, when Cantor's, you know, it it's not a hundred percent Cantor's fault when they run those, I guess like who I don't even know who the ball handlers are. Dragic or Jimmy pick and rolls with Bam, and yeah, it's like the handoffs, Bam's just like dunking, yeah, just dunking lobs repeatedly or getting fouled. Uh, the and one where Cantor hacked him was just like. That's just not what you can do in the playoffs. I don't know what's going on there. That, that was just like Marcus Smart's reaction with like prayer hands emoji. Just like, what are we even <laughs> doing? Like, move your feet. If you're gonna foul, like, don't you can't let a guy. Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to. As I digress, but um, yeah, Cantor. Uh, it's not necessarily his fault on those pick and rolls where you know uh, the weak side has to pinch in. Duncan Robinson is the the guy on the weak side one of the best shooters basically who's ever lived. So that's gravity right there. And that's why Bam gets those lobs. But if you have someone like uh, Grant Williams um, or Robert Williams, even who might be a little more amenable to a switch situation than Ennis Cantor, who can't like, we just like, like, I mean, they go after, they go at him every time in the pick and roll or with the DHO. Like it's, they, like they completely change their offense and just attack him. And so, um, I think, you know, it, 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 it does matter like defensively, um, what schemes you can do against the Miami heat. And when you can switch as the Celtics have done, I think a really good job on and off the ball throughout the series, generally speaking, Cantor just like kills that and it really impacts your defense in a really bad way. Yeah. So, I mean, that is, we'll see if he, how that, you know, I don't, we're clearly not going to see him in a, in a bigger spot like that again, this series, um, Rob Williams, like moving forward in this series, Rob Williams versus Grant Williams. Like, where do you, where do you go? Um, at backup center there, if you're Brad Stevens. I personally don't understand why Grant Williams doesn't play more. Is he only allowed to play in the fourth quarter? Is that like I don't in the role this it. postseason? He has the biggest defensive stop of the season. Switched out onto Fred VanVleet. Um, gets that block. Like I, he's just really smart. And I, I think you know, I forget if I texted uh, our thread or if it was sub- texting someone else, but like. Is Brad just petrified of Grant Williams fouling everyone and getting terrible whistles and doing rookie things on the defensive end against a team that, you know, with Bam and Jimmy, two of like the best foul drawers in the league and not wanting to put the Celtics in the bonus or anything like that? Like, is that his great concern? Because whenever I watch Grant Williams play, he's just like, 
he's really smart and he knows angles and he keeps his hands up. He knows where to be on the defensive end. And then on the offensive end, he's been hitting his shots, which is <laughs> like a, right. we're dealing with such a small sample size. But when you're like, what is he, like nine for 14 from the three point line or something yeah. like that in the playoffs? Yes. Like he's hitting his shots. So that's not even a concern. And he also isn't someone who's going to chuck up terrible shots. Um, he'll move the ball. He just knows his role. He's a really good offensive rebounder. I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't get it because you're not afraid of Bam Adebayo having a height advantage on Grant Williams. Like if Bam Adebayo wants to post up, you let Bam Adebayo post up because that's just not his game at all. So I just, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't get it at all. Yeah, he. I'm just looking at his game log here. He hasn't played more than 10 minutes in the last five games. Um, and it's he's four of six from three in that stretch. Um, and a lot of times he got into the games, it, it was late um, when the Celtics were down a man or just got desperate. So, yeah, it's he's been a plus minus, um, you know, top net rating guy in the team pretty much all year and like you said the his his biggest disadvantage in the series you know from a size standpoint isn't really huge against bam based on the way he plays so you you think you roll into game you know if hayward can go you roll into game three and you just say okay grant wanamaker hayward and just like draw a line and maybe time lord if you want to like you know mix it up um just for to see if he's giving you an offensive boost at some point, but that that should be at this point. Two quick yeah, fouls or something. Exactly. Get him out there. Team. Right. Get him out there early against, you know, not against Olenek. Um but beyond that, like that's that's kind of where you gotta be right now since since like you said, Williams and Wanamaker that it seems like the only guys you can really trust on giving you anything off the bench. So do you want to talk about the zone now? Yeah. I feel like that's a big talking point coming out of that gonna see a lot more of it (laughs) gonna see a lot more of it um what 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 was your general reaction i guess when you're watching it live are you like they look very confused they have no idea what they're doing uh the zone is something that the Celtics don't have an answer for the zone is something that is such a particular matchup nightmare because kemba is so small um just like what were your what are your what were your thoughts when you were watching them try to get some traction against it? For me, it just looked like everything was rushed and panicked um, when they were trying to move the ball against, you know, Miami puts their bigger guys at the top of the zone so that, you know, they're smart, they're long, and that is troublesome for, you know, like you said, smaller players like Kemba. And so to me, they just, you know, maybe it was the, the, the panic set in more once the Heat started scoring on the other end of the floor. So it became, okay, we got, we're, we're going to desperate here. We got to, you know, get someone here. We got to get something quick. And that led to just, you know, bad passing and um, not finding the, the right shots. And did you, like, you think... The, the shot quality was pretty decent in your eyes after you went back and looked at it? Or what did, what did it take them a while to get to that point? So, shot quality... So, like, I'm I'm looking at second, second spectrum data that I have because I, 
uh, I just get it from writing for 538. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's terrific and really gets super granular into this stuff. And you can look at, you know, how each individual player performed against the zone, how, what type of shots they took, were they good shots, were they bad shots. Um, when you look at just the particular shot data, it does not account for, you know, uh, when a foul is called or when there's a turnover or anything like that. Um, and there were plenty of turnovers against the zone, which were crippling. And that is why they averaged like 0.9 points per possession, which is just an atrocious number. Um, but the shots, when they did get a shot off, I thought that, uh, you know, Kemba had a pull-up three wide open with Crowder on him. Tice hits him with uh, a high screen, and it's just like that's the shot that is signature for Kemba all year long. Doesn't drop. Uh, Kemba kind of weasels his way around Crowder, or Hero, I forget who, um, earlier in the game. Gets a wide open mid-range pull-up. It's almost an air ball. Uh, Tatum, uh, Tatum, <laughs> Tatum. Uh, you know, they had one play that was kind of like this mini little pin down. I don't know if it was, I don't know if I'll describe it as a pin down, but it was the, the and one where, uh, I think Spolster challenged it where Dragic was on the ground and, um, yeah, that play. The Tatum flagrant. Uh, That should have been a flagrant on Tatum for jumping into it. Yeah. Um, I think that was in the first half, but that was against the zone. That was an action that was obviously successful. Tatum, when Tatum had Crowder on him, he drove pretty aggressively, uh, uh, you know, not as consistent as you would want, but he just missed like two or three floaters, like right in the paint from like, you know, five, six feet shots that he's not like Mike Conley, Jason Tatum, but these are shots that, you know, you just have to make. (laughs) It's just like, that's what it is. Um, and Marcus Smart had like two pretty good catch and shoot threes that he bricked. And I don't know, like, so the data says that basically the shots that the Celtics took were great. Um, like if you just stack them up against every other team, relative to every other team overall in the playoffs, the Los Angeles Lakers are the only team that has a better shot quality than what the Celtics have had in these two games against Miami's zone. So they're taking good shots. Um, they are like their effective field goal percentage against uh, the zone is so low that uh, like it just the data suggests that there's going to be this regression eventually and you don't know when that's going to happen and maybe it won't happen but um, because we only have potentially two more games here so the sample size is so small but I think that those numbers are good if you're Boston and you know, Brad Stevens, I think, said that it wasn't about the zone last night and he's not really focused on the zone or whatever. I mean, the zone is is, is a thing. Like, we're not, we can't just ignore it. I mean, it, it did have an impact on the game for sure. It was very disruptive. Um, but when you go back and you watch the film, there were shots that they got out of it that are against it that were good. Um, you know, when Kemba is able to penetrate, when he gets the screen and he kind of works it, and you know draws the middleman up a little bit there was that play where he did that in the first half and uh hit marcus smart for like a wide open layup from the dunker spot like stuff like that that's just like really when you see that you're like if i was Eric Spolster and i saw kemba do something like that i'd be like we're not doing the zone again because it's just like it makes it look so bad 
Right. And you want to see more that more consistently for sure. Um, so like, I don't know. I mean, I think adjustments will come. Um, and I think that just maybe even adding Gordon onto the, to the floor into the mix is like, you, that's like the adjustment and you don't need to make any stylistic changes. Um, and he'll get you a little bit more of an edge in terms of, you know, seconds for uh, on kickouts, like a little bit more of an open look for someone like Marcus Smart. Um, he can shoot, obviously. So, yeah, like, I don't, I know there's this, all this talk on Twitter about, you know, how Brad Stevens is, like, melting down as a coach right now. I don't think that that is the case. I think no. he made some really smart defensive adjustments in the second half, especially. Um, I mean, like, just, like, little stuff, like putting, like, when they're running that pick and roll with Bam and Jimmy late, which they love to do, he just puts Tice on Crowder and moves Jalen onto Bam so that the Celtics can just switch that action right. and be out of trouble. Um, so it's just stuff like like Brad Stevens isn't like an idiot. Like he's no, they uh, like know. he was very it's a far position di- game too. Like it's yeah. not like they got blown out of the gym. Or anything. They're up by five with four minutes left after the third quarter collapse. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, to your right now, Stevens is very low on the list of like what went wrong for the Celtics in in game three. Like you said, he can't if a team doesn't have composure against a zone um, and just is not rush is rushing shots or is for ma- making unforced turnovers and unforced mistakes like that's that's not on stevens that's on these guys executing so i like i'm for me when you see a zone now i feel like you want hayward out there i also want wanamaker out there against the zone since mm-hmm. he's he just finds like he probably has played against them for like 10 years in europe so he just knows how to get inside the seams and just find a good look, whether it's for himself or someone else. Um, and so, like, to me, it's like getting the guys on the floor that are good ball movers. And, um, and do you feel like Rob Williams, for, like, when those that easy lob down, like, do you think he should be inserted for that? Or is his lack of shooting um, going to be too much of a liability in terms of, like, against just having him in the dunker spot? Um, I mean, Rob Williams, I guess, is, like, is it fair to call him like an underrated passer? Like I don't think he's brilliant, but he's not as terrible as I think you would think if you don't watch him play a lot. Is that like a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. Think? I think absolutely. So like, like having him on the floor is not a total liability. Obviously he can't you know, he's not gonna be jacking up corner threes or anything like that, but that's not what his role would be. I think the greater concern is always just like and something that we don't really talk about, but like if defensively you're able to get stops against Miami, then Miami cannot set up its zone. Right. So Rob Williams has just had a little bit of difficulty in executing, you know, um, more so in the Toronto series, I think, just like executing basic pick and roll coverage. And that's, I, you know, I think that that might be in, in Brad's mind a little bit. But I go back to like, Grant is someone who should be playing big minutes and can really help um, in a lot of ways. I mean, he sets screens. He just knows. He's just like a really smart, cerebral player. And I think right now that's what the Celtics need on both ends. Yeah. And he didn't even take a shot in game three in 10 minutes, but was still a plus nine. Um, 
with some good minutes in game both two. halves. I mean, game two, excuse me. Um, getting ahead of yourself. Getting ahead of ourselves here for, for the game three. So I also want to say um, Drogic was an absolute monster late in that game and has been this whole series. And I'm not sure what you can really do with him right now since, you know, Brad Stevens made the switch in the Raptor series to put Smart on Lowry. And you could do that here with Drogic, but I'm not sure even that, like, solves Drogic right now because he's just in such a great groove, um, both driving and with, you know, the pull-up three if you give him any space. So, um, for me, that's priority number one in the op. Like, you have to just get him out of rhythm because the shots, the, his shot making is just a different level right now um, on that team. He is just a total monster. I mean, the two shots that he hit late were such daggers. Like, Miami doesn't win that game if those two don't go in, in my opinion. Um, they did a really good job of, of stifling him in transition. I think that that was, like, probably the number one thing. If I'm a fly on the wall in Boston's film session the other day, yesterday, or two days ago, I bet that that was, like, something that they just kept hitting. Like, you have to stop the ball, especially when Dragic has it. Right. And he's pushing. So they did a really good job there, I thought. Um, and, yeah, I don't know, you know, force that dude to his right. Right. <laughs> you, you don't let him get to his left hand. You force him to his right. And if he hits shots, like, the three in particular over Tice, I think it was, like, you just got to, that's just like. A, yeah, I mean, you tip your cap out of that. Like, yeah. That was like a that's turnaround, a like, shot. falling away. With the um, shot clock at like two, like right. that was that was an insane shot. Um, but yeah, to your point, like I liked personally, I liked uh, I liked Jalen on Duncan, and I liked Marcus on Jimmy. I thought that that was really successful, and it's there's always going to be a pick your poison. Um, I suppose like Tatum, Tatum could be on Dragic. Maybe I don't know. Like Tatum, just what did you think about how Tatum was like moving? I think uh, he might be hurt. Game two, he was. There were a couple times where he seemed to wave off the bench when he was labor, like nothing serious. But he hit the deck a couple. He hit the deck a couple times. I wonder. Like I heard from someone that in game one it looked like he might have had like some kind of a quad issue. Um, that clearly seemed to impact just his effort. Um, at points, maybe it was, you know, for obvious reasons, if you're not feeling 100% where you only grab five rebounds, you have five turnovers, and you're not where you need to be, you're not as locked in. Um, so, you know, putting, if if, he, if mobility is an issue for him, putting on Drogic is, you know, will certainly hurt there. But, and, you know, you're not going to throw, like, Hayward on Drogic fresh off of an ankle um, no. situation. So it's, it's a tough call there. Um, it's nice to hide Kemba on Crowder, um, and, and maybe move Tatum to Drogic, but that's, that's something that they're going to have to, that has to be sorted out since, you know, Butler, you know, smart to neutralize Butler in this game, but Drogic has been, you know, just as good, if not better offensive weapon for the Heat all postseason, And that needs to, that needs to stop if you're the Celtics. Dragic, or no, I should say, uh, I'm sorry, Crowder just being clay thompson all of a sudden is 
Well, this like, is. It's, it's I haven't really taken my victory lap right now. I know. For, I know. It's I just like, perfect. I, I, set I mean, this is the Jay Crowder that uh, the world's waiting for. That I I thought the Celtics <laughs> had three years ago, and um, and you know, just soundly outplaying Jalen Brown in this series. No, it's he's getting. I mean, he only was three of ten from three last night, but um, he obviously hit a couple really big ones. The fact that he got ten threes up and he's averaging like seven or eight a game is is just insane to me. Ninety ninety percent of his shot attempts in the playoffs are threes. It's. I mean, he knows who he is. I guess like the fact that he's not even. I mean, we used to like, or I think maybe I was the one who was criticizing him the most about like the pump and goes when he was in Boston. Sure. Where, it was just like these straight line drives that were just there was nothing that was it like they, he couldn't do anything beyond that um but the fact that he's cut that basically out of his diet and all he does now is regardless of how aggressive the closeout is he gets the shot off and he falls over right that's that's his move um i don't know how many players have drawn more four shot three shot fouls than him i mean like harden obviously but after Harden, I don't think that there are like two or three guys who've drawn more three shot fouls. Like he is, that's like his signature uh, play right now. Um, and he got a four point play last night. I mean, that that's like the difference. It's like I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, where do you want to go from here? Is there anything else that we like we're missing that? think that is meaningful i mean there was that kelly I mean, olenic uh the banker from like 35 oh feet, man which just made me uh almost break my flat screen television i was i was not in a good place <laughs> when that went in i could not believe it i mean kelly had five fouls in 13 minutes so that's a classic kelly um dud other than that three um i mean i oh, want to give fair, I, credit yeah, go, ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just want to give credit to Spolstra for figuring out, okay, I got to dump Nunn, dump Iggy, and just, like, roll with my my six here with Hero, essentially. And None know, is bad. None, none is, is bad. bad. Like, that's that's that was a win no anytime he was that. in the game. Right, and he was just creating, you know, he, he, his, shoot, his shot has not been, has been non-existent in Orlando, and Iguodala is, is not, you know, He's a shell of himself at this point and isn't really useful in this series, So, um, at least so far. So, uh, yeah, credit to Spolstra for just saying, hey, we're going to go with all these guys that are going to give you problems right now, and um, the Celtics you know, weren't able to answer. I think it's just if you can't shoot, you can't play in this series. That's, like, that's right. the NBA right now. But it is so glaring. Like, Andre Iguodala has value in a lot of different ways, but, like, for Miami's offense to really function against the Celtics, which, are, you know, they're switching everything. They're really not creating a lot of, uh, like, solid looks for anybody. I mean, Duncan Robinson springs free every now and then, but he also hits really difficult shots. Like, that's what it is. Like, if you're, if you're someone who can be ignored or someone who, I mean, the Celtics, as I said earlier, they put Tice on Crowder late, but Crowder's shooting threes. And, like, that's not really something that you necessarily are in love with if you're Boston, but it's the smartest matchup that you can have with Tice on the court. Um, I wanted to go back real quick to talk about Tatum for two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a story yesterday about Tatum's step-back three real quick. And he just, like, 
I just want to bring that up in the context of the zone. And, like, to not see him break that out one time. I mean, he tried to at, at one point, but he slipped because the floors <laughs> down in Orlando Playing are atrocious. They're, te- they're terrible. But, right. I mean, guys are slipping and sliding everywhere. Um, he tried once, like, kind of stumbled a little bit and couldn't get the shot off. But, like, that's the shot that makes him so special. And I just would like to see him get it off over the top of Miami's length on that zone. I mean, I think that that is... I would like to see him just be more aggressive with, like, taking threes in general, I guess. I do like seeing him drive, you know. I do like seeing him get to the line, all that. That's what stars do. He's a star. Um, But, like, there was that one position where he had Tyler Hero isolated. And he takes this, like... He could have taken a step back three. Thought he was going to go to it. Instead, he takes Tyler to like the left elbow and just like bricks a fall away contested for no reason. Like that was just like, what are you doing, dude? Um, so I, I, I want him to be more aggressive and I want his decisions to be a little cleaner. Um, but otherwise, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just with you in terms of he, does, he doesn't seem like he's moving as well as he was in game one and game two. Maybe it's just the headband. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, 12 shots is just not in 42 minutes. That just isn't enough. Like you're fourth on the team in shot attempts and you are by far the team's best player and you're also shooting well. So that only two, three point attempts to your point. Um, team needs to be more aggressive. He needs to, you know, and that's again, when you, when you're facing a zone and he's turning down looks um, against it, that is when, things start to unravel and that's what we saw in game two so all right what, what are we expecting here in game three um this is really huge i mean not that it it isn't big enough already but you have three days off after game three so you don't you could either be feeling you know you get the win if you're the celtics you get extra rest for everyone and you have hayward closer to himself Wait, they for do? Game four. yeah so game four is on wednesday they announced that late last oh. night because they ESPN is doesn't want to double up against Monday Night Football on Monday, and so and obviously the East Finals is ahead of the West Finals, so they they announced last night um, they get three days off there and then it's every other day for games four through seven. So a really nice little pocket of rest to me. I mean, yeah, this is <laughs> so this is this is not that that's gonna like you know win them a game or anything, but. That's, well, if Tatum's banged up, I mean, right? That it can help a lot, and it also, Hayward. and you can play everyone, you know, 40, 45 minutes in this game and give them ample rest before Game Four. Yeah, no, that's that's very interesting. I did not know that you were breaking news to me. <laughs> um, I just assumed because they were doing the dumb like every other night thing, right. which is. I don't think anybody likes that, um, except maybe LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that that it, that I think that that is like not a significant advantage for the Celtics, but really nice for them because I mean, obviously the Miami Heat get to rest too, and Dragic is in the spring chicken, and Jimmy just turned thirty-one. But but yeah, that that is that's a pretty big deal, I would say for sure. Um, and yeah, they're going to play. I mean, if I was Brad Stevens, game three is game four to me it's game seven it's 
you have to win the game. So, like, Jason Tatum is going to have to be ready mentally um, to play 42 minutes, I would say, maybe. Um, more. Like, right, Kemba's going to have to play. Like, we didn't even talk about the Kemba thing where... How many minutes did he play in game two? He played at least, I want to say, 39 or 40 in game two. It was down to 34. Okay. I mean, no, no. He played, I'm sorry, 39 or 40 in game one. It was only yeah. 34 in game two. Okay. Yeah. This is weird. Um, that was weird to me. Seeing him, I sent a text to you guys at, at the end of the first half when he's on the bench and they can't get it. I mean, they wasted, like, you have timeouts, like, I just didn't understand why you wouldn't call a timeout and get Kemba in the game, especially with how well he was playing. Like, right. every possession matters. Like, I, I just don't... Again, not to, like, criticize Brad Stevens, but, like, if Kemba does not have a health issue, what is what are we doing here? Like, get him in, get him on the floor. Like, you, every again, every possession matters. You want to maximize your ability to put the ball in the basket. Um, but he does have a health so thought, issue. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, sure. But he's also, like... I don't know. There was a burst to him in that first half where he didn't look like he was being like, hampered by anything physically. It's like going to be a night-to-night thing for him, it looks like. And last night, he had it doesn't seem to be a problem. At the end of game one, he couldn't drive by Jay Crowder. But I just assume that that is more of a fatigue thing than a knee, knee pain thing. But yeah. I'm not a doctor. I'm not him. I don't know how he's feeling. Um, but, yeah, I thought that that was weird. And so, again, like back to my my regular point, like... If you're Kemba, you got to be ready to go over 40 minutes. Like that's kind of what it is. If you're Marcus Smart, you got to <laughs> Marcus Smart should just play the whole game. I mean, yeah. Um, is there anything else that we didn't hit? Like, should Jalen? I know we talked at the top about like being upset. Um, the, the you know the emotions in the locker room afterwards. Like, you guys covered this uh, after game one in a really good episode. Um, Jalen's just like not getting the ball and not being a part of the offense all of a sudden and really taking it upon himself in the second half, um, be it on the glass with really nice putbacks. Um, those threes that were like, it ended up being too little too late, but he had a really good look in the corner that could have tied the game. Right. Uh, I mean, he was... He was like the only dude who was like, I'm here to compete and bust my ass, honestly, is how I was viewing it. Yeah, I mean, offensively, he saved them in crunch time. That could have been a 10-point loss unless he started hitting some threes um, in clutch spots like he did late. Um, So, yeah, it's – for him, like, he needs to be more involved in the offense and smart and – is hitting his threes at times and you know Kemba and Tatum are doing their thing but Jalen's a 20 point scorer who's probably gonna have a disadvantage anytime Miami's not playing the zone against whoever's guarding him when those guys are you on mean the floor. An advantage I mean advantage that's what that's what I meant um yeah so that needs to be you know a continued priority and when he's wide open under the hoop and smart's taking a pull-up three on the break like that can't happen like those like you th- points need to be had and unselfish play needs to be had. Only six assists in the second half for the Celtics in that game. Um, and that means everyone needs to get involved more, and I think it starts to a large degree with Jalen. I think the one thing that I'll say about Jalen that's a little critical is part of the reason why he doesn't have the ball in his hands in a lot of these spots is he doesn't 
like look to pass when he gets the ball. Sure. Um, so, I mean, like his role on the team for the most part is like the exclamation point. And, you know, he hit a lot of like pretty tough and not great in terms of efficiency pull-up twos throughout that game, I thought. Like when he got the ball, he was like, screw everybody, I'm shooting. And it ended up working out for him. But that's just not – it was not like in the flow of the offense at all either. Right. Um, and against the zone, it's just – it's it's kind of hard when you're stuck in the corner – to get those good looks that you want because Miami is just so long and active. Um, So I don't know. I like, I don't know how you get him involved because you don't want to have him engaged at the top of the key as you do with Kemba and Tatum. Those are like your primary playmakers and smart. Right. So I, I don't know what the answer is beyond get stops and, um, really take advantage in transition, which he tries to do, I think like he could be maybe a little bit more aggressive in that way, but but I don't know. I don't know in the half court necessarily how he can get it going beyond being like the garbage pail energy guy. Yeah, I mean against the zone, I think that's what he has to has to be, and maybe you get you know you, you get the right people in the right spots in that zone. But like you said, like his passing is not his strength, and that's something you know the Heat use the zone for is to they know that and they kind of neutralizes him a little bit but like i said you get stops you get the heat out of the zone by you know finding the seams elsewhere in it which are still there um they've the celtics have seen enough zone in this postseason to to know what's there even with the the various tweaks they're seeing but it's um you know it's a it's a two-way thing like he for as for the hustle we see on the offensive glass he's also still mixed missing box outs in critical spots on the other end. So it's everyone's kind of has their issues in this game. Um, it's why it, you know, dominoed on them into a second straight ugly loss. And, you know, everyone, those, they're not good enough to overcome those against a team in Miami right now, it looks like. Yeah. So are you, are we doing, I don't want to do a prediction. I'm, yeah. I'm too, I'm too superstitious. I'm a baby. Um, <laughs> I've been I've been very confident in Boston in the series. Like, and to an extent, I still believe that they are like the better team, quote unquote. Like, I sound like Paul George right now, but like I do think that the Celtics are just better. I really do. Um, both those games were coin flips. Miami is not a pushover by any stretch, but like the Celtics should be up. 2-0 in this series just based on like what they showed in the second round against Toronto and the just like the baseline talent that they have I mean yeah I, I so I'm not gonna uh, say anymore <laughs> but I I still think like if you're the Celtics or if you're the Celtics if you're a Celtics fan uh, the last time that a team in the Eastern Conference Finals is down 0-2. Guess what happened? They won the next four games and then won the championship. So the season is far <laughs> from over. I'll just say that. And uh, this series has been a lot of fun so far. Gerald Green start game three? <laughs> uh, you just need Dragic to fracture his thumb. Right. And then and then we got it going. That, that's the answer. So Romeo Langford 
hopefully maybe is the Gerald Green in the series. No, but um, yeah, it will be interesting to see. You know, they have done this before against the number. They have done this before against Jimmy Butler. Um, granted, it was on the eighth seeded Heat. I mean, Bulls, not the uh, the fourth seeded Heat. And now we have. It's going to be a far tougher road this time, but there might be some reinforcements in store for Game 3 and Gordon Hayward. But we'll be back with you guys next week um, after Game 3, to which will probably be a, a brutally long wait for Game 4. Either way, no matter what happens in Game 3, it'll be a brutally long wait. But um, make sure you uh, hit us up um, at WinningPlaysPod on Twitter. Um, give us a subscription on itunes rate review us on there um make sure i have to do a lot of catching up to to on all of mike's great work across the the internet the past week whether it's his new york times book review or gq (laughs) it's just there's a lot of great stuff mike's putting out there so make sure you check all that out and um what do we have any you have anything coming up for us mike that you want to tease for next week uh, a lot of random stuff that has nothing to do with the Celtics. Um, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I don't. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to set up some interviews with some some high profile people uh, for GQ. That should be fun. Hopefully, those come through. And um, doing a piece for five thirty eight right now that I also don't want to mention because I will instantaneously jinx it and. Um, yeah, so we'll leave it at that, but yeah, uh, thanks for, for, uh, shouting up my stuff and my, my vaunted book review that has like literally nothing to do with the NBA, but I appreciate anyone who who checks it out. Listen, a New York Times book review is a New York Times book review, so, um, high praise and it's, you've been killing it, so keep doing it. Um, all right, well, we'll be back after game three, um, I will say Monday uh, once the dust settles a little bit. Um, I'll have plenty of stuff up on Boston Sports Journal in the meantime, and um, we'll see if the Celtics will be looking to avoid a sweep or we'll be right back in the series.